It is Adam. This is Bringing It Backwards, a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their own personal stories on how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to chat with Catherine of the band No Bro over Zoom video. Catherine was born and raised in a small town very north in Canada. and She talks about that and how she got into music, started playing violin at a very, very early age, but didn't start a band until much later in life. She was actually on the path to becoming a professional ice hockey player. She was very, very good at ice hockey, ended up going to college for ice hockey. She talked about the traumatic end to her hockey career. She talked to us about getting on a Greyhound bus with just a small bag, hopping in the bus and taking the bus all the way down to San Francisco, lived there for a little while, moved back up to Canada. She talked about writing songs and starting her first project. When that project ended, she knew that she wanted to start a new band, this time all females. And that's how the band and really the name No Bro happened. She talked about the early success of the band, touring with the Distillers and Alexis on Fire right before the lockdown happened, putting out their first EP, Sick Hustle, and all about this brand new EP coming out and their most recent single, Better Each Day. You can watch our interview with Catherine on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be rad if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're an Amazon shopper, a portion of your everyday purchases will help support our podcast with just a few clicks. It's super easy. Please head over to our website, bringingitbackwards.com, and click on Amazon each time you begin your purchases. Those few extra clicks will help keep our mission of providing a platform for both legendary and rising artists to tell their personal stories on how they achieve stardom so that all artists and music enthusiasts have access to meaningful and memorable advice that will help inspire their own musical journeys. To recap, please head over to bringingitbackwards.com and click on Amazon before you make each and every purchase because a portion of that purchase will add up in a big way to help support our mission. Thank you so much. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with No Bro. My name's Adam, by the way, and this is about you, your journey in music, <laughs> and we'll talk about uh, the, the, the latest song, at least, with uh, No Bro, and I know you guys just put an EP out last year, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. Awesome, awesome. Uh, first off, t tell me, where were you born and raised? Uh, I was born and raised in a little town in the middle of Alberta called Pinoco, so... Okay. Lots of farming. It's like a big farming community. It's very, very small. Okay. Well, it's a sm small farm town. Like, how would you, like at your school, how many people were in you know, like your high school or whatever? Uh, my high school, the high school that I, well, I ended up moving from that town when I was 15. Oh, okay. But the, I went to high school there for one year, but it was, I don't know. There was like uh, nine through 12. It was fairly small. I mean, my elementary school, that it was kindergarten through grade five had like 80 people in it or something like wow. that. Yeah, yeah, that is small. <laughs> yeah. And they had to like combine the classes together. Oh my I God. did grade, I did grade five twice because I was in grade four, but then they oh, moved me into a grade five class. Yeah. And then like I had a combo class. I had, I was in that too. I was in two of those things when I was growing up, but we had a big school, which I thought was weird. I just think we didn't have enough teachers and too many kids. Oh yeah. So they stuffed, like I took, Third grade twice and fifth grade twice, basically. 
Yeah. Did you ever ask your parents why they didn't just like bump you up? I asked my mom that. I was like, why didn't you just like yeah off a year earlier? She's like, I don't know. I was like, yeah, I don't even know if it was an option. <laughs> I think they're just like, yeah, sorry, you're stuck in the combination class. <laughs> well, that's cool. And how did you get into music? Oh my god. Well, I was a little late to the game. Uh, well, I got into music. No, well, I had to. We were forced to play an instrument growing up. That was the rules of the house. Yeah, house rules, play. not like a not like a school rule. <laughs> no, my okay. You have to play an instrument. And so I played the violin growing up. That was my instrument. Um, and then, but that's, I mean, that's like miles away from what we do now. Sure. Uh, and then I found myself in Montreal when I was 21. And I such <laughs> so like the origin story has something to do with a guy, which is really funny. But anyways, when I met this guy who played in a band, I actually really loved his band. And I was a fan of his band before I met him. Mm -hmm. And then it was really, really hot one summer and we were in his bedroom and he had like a bedroom this size and he had drums in it. He had like all these amps and all these guitars. And we were just stuck there because it was heat wave and he had a, an AC unit in the window. And we just started writing music kind of spontaneously. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know how to play the bass, but I was pretty familiar with, how like a stringed instrument yeah sure so I played violin right yeah and then so we wrote and recorded 12 songs in his bedroom and then his uh his manager asked us if we wanted to go play a show in new york and so yeah in like a month and so i just picked up the bass and like he taught me how to play it and i was like singing it at the same time and that was my first show i was like 24 or something like that Whoa. Did you play, like, did you guys build a band around the songs that you wrote? Like, how yeah, do you have a band yeah. and, and go play this New York show? Well, we just picked up a drummer and then just. Oh, you played together. Did. Okay. I got yeah. you. So was his band playing there also? And then, or, or this was like a totally side project that kind of just spun out of. Yeah, heat wave. it was. Yeah, it was just a side project. And then it became his, his main thing. It was, and that's how I started learning the ropes of music and being on tour and stuff. And oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> rad. Well, I want to rewind it a little bit. What, what, uh, drew you to violin back when you started that? Um, well, okay. So we weren't allowed to listen to the radio growing up. <laughs> I'm going to make my parents sound really bad, but my dad is a very, very conservative, uh, sure guy i mean rural alberta it's you know it's a different place it's very very right wing uh -huh. leaning and my mom she's from indonesia okay. and <laughs> so <laughs> my dad was like no you know pop like he, he really wanted to steer us away from like pop culture and what was happening right. you know and my mom because my dad worked overseas and so when he was gone we would listen to like my uh, my mom would just throw on like the Rolling Stones or Michael Jackson. She was like, "Don't tell your father you're listening to this." So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so there was this there was this compilation because when he would come home, we'd have to like listen to something uh, mm -hmm. when we were driving around, and there was this compilation called Classical Kids, where they take famous composers and a lot of their big masterpieces, and they kind of weave in this narrative 
of like a of a child meeting Bo- Beethoven and oh cool. You know, yeah, it is really cool. So mine, my favorite one was the Vivaldi installment because there's like parties. Venice mm-hmm. always sounded really cool. And uh, so I was like, and also like the the myth of Stradivariuses. I was like, wow, oh, that's so crazy. So that's why I chose violin. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful instrument. My wife loves the sound of violin. Neither of us could play it, but uh, she's like such a sucker for <laughs> songs that have violin in them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's a. I mean, if you play it well, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <amazing>. yeah. <laughs> so, how how long did you play violin for? Did you do it all through uh, school? Yeah, it was like five or six when I started, okay. and then by the time high school rolled around, I kind of like had other interests. Of course. <laughs> so. You said you went to. You moved out of where you were living at fifteen. To did you move to a yeah. bigger, bigger city, or where did you move to? Yeah, we moved to a, a, a bigger city because um, where where are you? Where are you located? I'm in Nashville now, but I grew up pretty much my whole life in Cal. I grew up my whole life in California, but 90 percent of it was in Southern California. I'm from San Diego. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, but That's now cool. in well, my family and I, we moved to Nashville. It's a nice nice place we, to live. We love it. Yeah, we love it here. It's amazing. That's cool. Are you familiar with Canadian geography? Because I know a lot of I'll actually be, just based off the the amount of people I've interviewed from Canada, a little bit. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. Like I have some. Okay. I'm terrible with geography because yeah. most Americans never leave America because we're I don't know why <laughs> very not well traveled. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm generalizing, but as far as I am, I'm not very well traveled. But I understand for a lot of Canada is just because based off a lot of musicians i've interviewed from canada okay that that's good yeah sometimes when you talk to people they're like alberta that's down south and you're like no no no, no. that's like way way up, north way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we moved to a, a bigger city it's called calgary it's about yeah. two hours south of pinoka okay. um i because when you grow up in a, a small town like the winters are long the winters are long and you need to fill the time up with something constructive so i played hockey and I was really good yes yes and I became quite quite good at hockey and so I was scouted by the time I was 14 and I I I had already that year tried out for uh the Vancouver Griffins which was like a at the time it was part of the National Women's Hockey League I was really yeah Yeah, so Yeah, so from there I got scouted and then I we moved to Calgary because I was accepted into a training program. It was for like uh, it was legit the I think it was like the silver uh um group, but it was a it was like a junior group and then the gold group were, was Team Canada. I trained at the at the Olympic Oval in Calgary. Whoa. Yeah. So you're so. you're pretty close to being a professional <laughs> hockey player. <laughs> I, you know, my life got derailed when I moved to Calgary because I met so many different other kinds of people, and my my friends, like the the people that I ended up meeting, they were like, "Have you ever heard of Black Sabbath and like smoked weed?" And I was like, "No, I I don't know what it is. This is, but it sounds awesome." Right. And so, and then I became became like a, a typical teenager, and I didn't uh, really have the. <laughs> <laughs> Much Black Sabbath and the weed come in and just 
you hung up the skates. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I still played. I still played, and I and I ended up moving to a, another school. It was like a sports academy in my final year, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and you know, a lot of uh, interest started to to dwindle because by that time, a lot of the people that I was playing with were getting full scholarships and stuff like that, and my. <laughs> my concentration was kind of waning and the offers that were coming in were less and less. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I still went through it. I I, I wrote my SATs and I was trying to get into a a school in the States, but it just wasn't working. And I ended up going and playing uh, university hockey for a year at the U of at at the university of Saskatchewan. And my parents thought it was a good idea because it was like Saskatchewan is so far away from anything it's like its own little planet because it's right. in the middle of nowhere. that's what i've heard um yeah I, you know the band rare americans they're from canada uh, no. too oh uh their singer was a hockey guy and he i think he might have moved there like he like he was on some like minor league team that wasn't mm-hmm. quite the nhl and he, he ended up quitting and now he's in a big band called uh rare americans but uh, he did, I think he went there too. He was like, yeah. And then they, they traded me to this team and it was in the middle oh. of nowhere. <laughs> That's, that sounds familiar. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, yeah. I mean, if you have to get shipped out to one of those, like, like Saskatchewan or Manitoba, it's just kind of like, oh my God, it's so hard. Cause there's nothing out there. I mean, my parents were super happy. They, they were like, okay, bye. And then just kind of drove <laughs> off. And I was like, no, don't leave me here. Um, but yeah, it's hard to get into trouble out there. <laughs> so it's very hard. You're just isolated. Yeah. I don't imagine. Oh yeah. And you just, you work, you study and you play hockey. And that was, that was kind of my life. That's all there is to do. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's, ama- it's amazing how big Canada is. I think people like take that for granted. And a lot of it's just what like rural area, isn't it? Oh my God. Yeah. Driving like when we go on tour, if you go from Manitoba to Ontario, like the show would be in Winnipeg and then your next show is in Toronto. It takes like 32 hours to get there. <laughs> yes, really? Yes, oh, it's wow. yes. Between shows. Yes. It's horrible. I didn't realize that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I guess I'm not as familiar with the geography as I thought I was. Wow. It's, it's, yeah. It's so it's long. similar to like Australia where there's like four cities that you can play and you know, yeah, I'm, yes, I'm country the, to, <laughs> to go, go across. Through. Yes. It's yeah. It's big. Canada's a big, big, big place. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so you're, uh, you're shipped off and you're going to college for yeah at this point okay and then how do you get back to to montreal and have the band form and it will tell me where Uh, the mets thing comes in in into play oh my god this is like way later uh okay yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna go from the hockey places it chronologically has to make sense yes let's hear it (laughs) (laughs) and i'm a little older so i have to maybe preface what i'm about to say because I don't know. People think I'm a lot younger. And so whenever I talk about my life, they're like, are you, how old are you? But so this is like, yeah, I'm this sure is I'm much older than you. So it's okay. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, I was in university and then I quit hockey and okay. then I just got out of there. I was like, you know, what? Fuck, fuck this place. 
Uh-huh. Fuck going to school. Fuck everything. And then I moved to what, what gave you that attitude real quick before we before we get into moving? Uh, I just wasn't happy. And my last hockey game, it was such a shame how it all ended. I, I don't know why. It was kind of like, I, I guess I've always been this like a person a little bit on the outside. And the coach that I had didn't really appreciate my, <laughs> my proclivities or whatever, <laughs> who I was. And yeah. uh, like, I would get punished for weird things. Like I scored our only goal and then he sat me for like the entire game. I don't know. It was. What? And, and then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How dare you get I, I points just, for our team? I don't know. I just, I just feel like I got picked and then just kind of being like, I don't know, just an example. Right. To, to be made up. Yeah. So our last game was, it was before playoffs and we weren't going to make playoffs. And, uh, I was out on the ice and we were warming up and then a, Zam- a Zamboni comes and, mm-hmm. and uh, whatever does the ice. And then you have to like go back to your change room. And then I got called into the coach's office and they were like, Catherine, you're not playing undress and sit and you have to go sit in the bleachers. And I was just like, what, like, why? And they're like, there's no given, no explanation at all. They were just like, go. And so I had to take off and I, I walked back and my whole team was there and I had to take off all my equipment uh-huh. in front of everyone. And then I went and sat in. And they're probably this. like, what the hell are you doing? And you're like, oh, yeah, wow. I don't know. And it was, yeah. And it was just like, I don't know that I, I was so angry because, you know, up until that point, like hockey was my entire life and I didn't, sure. and I didn't like, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't appreciate how it ended. And I, and I get it. Like team sports or may, I, maybe it was just, I know it was me. I'm not like a team person. You know, <laughs> like I don't like wearing the, the jacket. We had to wear these jackets. I never liked wearing the jacket and stuff. <laughs> All the little things. <laughs> I don't know. I, I loved how competitive it was. I loved the sport, but I just, I didn't like just the, the other side of it. Uh-huh. Anyway, so after that happened, I was like devastated and I was like, fuck this, I'm out. So well, I quit. Did you ever figure out what you did? I didn't even ask. I was like, I, this isn't, I'm not really? going to stick around. Yeah, I was just like, oh, this wow. is. I would have been yeah, so and, curious. Like, what did I possibly do? I was like, I, I couldn't, I didn't, I knew it was just me. I don't think they liked me. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I don't know. I was just like, I was so angry. And when you're just seeing red like that, I just wanted to like leave. So mm-hmm. I quit hockey and then I moved to Vancouver and then I started exploring like an alternative lifestyle that was kind of like away from, from school and all this structure and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And then I lived there for a little bit. And then I kind of woke up one morning and I was like, I don't want to be here either. So I packed like a little bag and then I went on a, a Greyhound bus and they were still operating and I uh-huh. went down the West coast and I stopped in a couple places and then I ended up in San Francisco. Wow. Um, yeah. And I just had like a little bag, you know, staying at a hostel. And then I went to, um, Oh, and I went to a, a like a computer cafe. Do you remember those? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> pay $5. Anyways. Acid Mother's Temple was playing because at that point I was getting really into stoner rock and psychedelic mm-hmm. music. Okay. And they were playing at Bottom of the Hill. And so I walked Bottom of the Hill. I love and that. Then, 
it's a great venue. And then up on the hill, there was a coffee shop. I forget what uh-huh. it's called, but it was on Potrero Hill. And then I, I met this guy there and he was like, you're either Christian or Canadian because you're so polite. And I was like, I'm Christian. I mean, I'm Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> and then he ended up just, he played in a band and he was like, you should come to my show. And then like a week later, we were getting matching tattoos. It's so crazy to think about that now, but we're getting matching tattoos like a week later. And <laughs> and then I... Was that your first tattoo? To, it was my second. I got my oh, okay. first when I was skipping high school. Okay. But at least you had yeah. one before. Okay. One it's a great story. <laughs> oh, my God. I was so stupid. And then I, I decided to come to Montreal, like, quickly after that to keep going to to keep uh, pursuing a, a degree so mm-hmm. that's how i ended up here and so the <laughs> kind of like fizzled out after the tattoos and well no because <laughs> <laughs> I, I came out here for a year and then i went back there for a summer uh, um, because he was going on tour with his noise and and it was like a city's month mm-hmm. and a half or something like that all through the states and it was all like super duper diy like super super diy like shaking people down for six dollars diy you know <laughs> getting skaties diy and oh, uh and he, he wanted to go on yeah and so i i had a car and i was like well, I'll, I'll like take you on tour why not so then i went down to california i drove down there and then I picked them up and then we drove all across the States wow. together. Yeah. in this like little car on tour. And that was the first tour. I didn't play music, but I was just absorbing. On yeah. You know, you're on experience. a tour. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it was terrifying. Like I was just like, oh my God, DIY is like so hardcore. <laughs> like <laughs> it was, it was kind of scary sometimes, you know, you're just like, cut off you have no money you're just in the middle of nowhere like i saw him cry you know like i saw like a full-grown man cry mm-hmm. and it was the first time that i had ever seen that and i was just like man being in a band is so hard and i was like i'm never gonna be in a band <laughs> and, here and here are. you are <laughs> yeah. okay so once you get back from the tour then when how much later down the line do you start writing writing songs it was like right after that. It was just oh, okay. almost like right after that. It was you saw the, the DIY tour and you're like, I'm in. This is what I want to do. <laughs> it's like, I'm in, but I'm in with some conditions. I was like, <laughs> if you go on the road, I, you know, it's so funny because people think being in a band is like, you're a total fuck up and you're irresponsible. But being in a band is like the exact opposite. Like you show up, you're prepared, you're on time, like, you know, you take care of your, your bandmates. (laughs) Yeah. I just had this conversation with somebody the other day. It's like, you have to put on this persona, like you don't care. And that like, you can, cause a lot of people just assume like, Oh, you can just get up there and, you know, get wasted and act dumb. And it's like, well, you, a lot of the art, like I'm trying to like no effects, for example, like you don't think, you know, fat Mike has spent his entire life, like, because like, you know, focusing on his craft and doing what he's doing so he can put that show on. Like, I mean, that's just how it takes. Yeah. You don't walk out there and be like, Oh yeah, I want to be the guy that just gets up there and parties and, you know, draws thousands of people to my show for 
no reason at all. It's no coincidence that successful bands are successful. You know, they probably worked really hard to get there. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So sorry. So (laughs) okay, where was I now that I went on tangent? Um, you were okay, you're in the band, you you decided you want to do this, but obviously a little bit more extravagant than uh the DIY tour. (laughs) It didn't start off like that. It was just kind of like when my when my first band broke up because it just wasn't working anymore like when I started no bro it was kind of like you know you're just out there just playing shows like around Montreal and and yeah just trying to be as like on on the ball as as possible because even in my in my first band I noticed it was like things started off really good and then it started like dwindling and then all of a sudden you're just like in these like weird towns in Northern Quebec and like no one's there, but the, but the guy who owns a venue is like playing saxophone <laughs> for 20 minutes on one of your songs. And you're just like, what's going on? Like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? And so, yeah, there was a lot of lessons. <laughs> I love your band. You mind if I get up here and, and yes. solo with my saxophone for 20 yes, minutes? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you're just like, it, 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 it's like the fear of that ever happening again, just like pushes you to be like, all right, I cannot settle for this ever. Like if I'm going to do this, if we're going to do this, you know, I've got to swing for the fucking fences, you know? Right. So yeah, that's kind of what happened. So was this first band, the one that you had formed and went to play the New York show? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then No Bro started how how much longer after that? Uh, like how long was that first been around? Ooh, only a couple of years. We wrote like two albums. Wow. Uh, and it started, yeah, it started off really well. And then it just kind of like, you know, because I well, he was like the also my partner. We were dating. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also got matching tattoos. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> And I don't know, maybe I should also say that like during this part of my life, like I was uh, a very, uh, I was very, very steeped into, uh, you know, like drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. I wasn't sure. thinking clearly. I was not thinking clearly. And uh, this, this happened. Yeah. So after that band broke up, there was a little bit of a, a delay and then no bro started. Cause I was like, there was a little bit of time and then I was like, Oh, I need to make something happen. Like everybody always introduced me as this person's ex-girlfriend. Cause he was like quite well-known in the Montreal music community. <laughs> and they're mm-hmm. like, This is Catherine. So-and-so's ex-girlfriend. I was like, oh, ouch. Fuck. I was like, fuck this, man. And also like, I never really got credit for the songs, you know, that were written in that other band and, and he went on to start like a, a new band and they were gaining quite a bit of traction. And I was just like, I was just so like angry. It was like that, that hockey experience all over. I was like in the change room, like humiliated, getting undressed again. I was like, fuck this. So I just started this band. I was like, I'm going to start a band and I'm going to own my own name. And I'm going to like get credit. <laughs> you know? I just mm-hmm. want to be like, a part of of the band that I was in and so that's kind of how this came about and and luckily there is a lot of other females that also felt the same way and were like you know fuck this too so 
Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask, did you want to start it as an all-female band? A hundred percent, absolutely. Okay. Because every time I talk to like, uh, like a woman, they would have similar experiences mm-hmm. like I did, you know? They were like, I mean, Sarah, like the drummer, she, she was just like, you know, people would go up to her and be like, if I close my eyes, you sound like a, a man, you know? It's just... Right. Just weird, you know, microaggressive comments here and there and just kind of like deflates you. Just like these little jabs that you feel over time. And well, it's, yeah, like, and how, I was just like, it's like how if you're I feel like for females, it's harder to say you're a producer. Like, oh my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. if I have a, a MacBook Pro with GarageBand and you're a guy, you're like, I'm a producer. Like, are you? What have you produced? Yeah. Like you could drop yeah. a loop onto a timeline, but like for females, it's like you have to almost like prove yourself even more to to say that you're a producer. I, I it's just blows my mind. Yeah, it's so and it's so funny like having these kinds of cars, like say with my seventy seven year old, you know, conservative father. He watched the music video for Better Each Day, and we're you know taking down like the monolith, and he's like, "Right, Catherine." He's like, "Catherine, is this supposed to represent now that you're woke?" I'm like, "Dad, yeah, we're trying to like smash the patriarchy." And he's like, "Why on earth would anyone ever want to do that?" I was like. Is he supportive of the band? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I, I talk about him like that, but in my, I tried to convince him that he was the most progressive person I've ever met. I tried to use like reverse psychology on him because, <laughs> sure. because you are he, so because <laughs> he, he married like he married my mother, who you know is from Indonesia, and she grew up Muslim. And uh, oh, wow. she, yeah, she's like clearly a, a person of color. Like mm-hmm. she, she's an immigrant Muslim person of color, brings her over to Canada. Like, cause she, she was like, you know, one it's really hard in Indonesia and they, and they met and they fell in love. And my mom is so brave. Cause she was like in her early twenties and I couldn't even imagine moving across the world and leaving my whole family, but she did that. And the minute they, got married my dad he like went to the bank and and made her uh an equal partner in everything that they do he taught her how to like yeah he went and got her her uh, driver's license and was like just wanted to give her as much independence and freedom as she wanted well not him give it but like encourage her right right right. support it right yeah and you know we weren't we didn't grow up with like gender rules in our house like i was allowed to you know have short hair and play hockey and you know he was the one who like pushed me to to you know really kind of explore different avenues especially things that weren't like especially in in the 80s in a small town he was like Mm -hmm you want to play hockey and you want to cut your hair and and you want to wear baggy overalls, like just do it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and a lot of people didn't look too favorably on it. It was like different. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so I keep trying to convince him that he's the most, uh, most progressive person. (laughs) (laughs) He's not buying it though. He's not buying it. That's funny. That is funny. Okay. So the (laughs) band, how do you find the other ladies in the band? You put oh, like they're awesome! Out or... Oh, uh, how do I find them? Uh, yeah, yeah like, well, I, you... I met the original drummer just through some friends, and then the original guitar player I knew before, but she played bass. I didn't know she shredded the guitar. 
And then that's kind of how the first formation started. Um, and then the, the drum, the first drummer, she was playing in different bands and she decided to pursue this other thing. And I was like, listen, this is, I was like, this has to happen. You know, it's either like us or that. And I, uh, just asked her to leave because I, I took it very seriously right from the beginning and sounds mm -hmm. horrible, but, but sometimes you have to like make hard choices if you want to keep moving forward. So found Sarah, the, the now drummer. And she's been like, to me, she's like the, like a, the original member. Cause she's been there. We've been together for so long now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then Lausanne, uh, when, when Mariana, the guitar player, she wanted to go, live on a goat farm in vancouver <laughs> because it, <laughs> that's an interesting because music, choice yeah and we were like getting to this point where you know we we're starting getting booked for bigger shows and we were taking mm -hmm. it more seriously and it's it's hard to commit like it's hard to commit your life to this because it's stressful there's no guarantees you know like right it's an emotional fucking roller coaster and she and you have to be on the road and that's hard enough and she's like this isn't for me like this isn't for me. And so we were heartbroken. Like I was devastated because we were like best friends and we had such a close relationship, but you know, she had to live her truth and go live on a goat farm. And, uh, <laughs> and it was like right before our biggest show. Cause we got booked for this big festival on the main stage. And so wow. we, yeah, we quickly had to find another guitar player. And in doing so we ended up getting Lausanne. She's actually Sarah's girlfriend, the the drummer, oh, and wow. she played bongo. Yeah, so she played bongos, and we're like, oh shit, like bongos should be part of the band. And then she picked up the keyboards and just learned how to play keyboards, and then that's how she started in this. And then that formation happened for a while, and then mm -hmm. the guitar playing. Just like I feel like we, I feel like I wish that we had like a like a fairy tale kind of beginning, but we don't. Mm. It's a lot of different members and things sure. like that through time mm -hmm. anyways and then that guitar player left and then we have carol the, the now new guitar player so okay and when did the yeah. band form like what uh, 2016 i think okay yeah we, I, we've been at it for a while okay and you yeah. just put your your first like full body of work came out last year though right yeah hustle okay yeah so yeah. you you just did what uh what was like the next like you know you said you got on that big festival like after that what was the next like big milestone for the band um we got to go on tour with fiddler <laughs> so oh wow i've interviewed them yeah. they're great guys yeah it was really cool i just dm them on instagram <laughs> really <laughs> yes <laughs> yes you never know i mean the worst case scenario is that people are going to say no but right we so we had recorded a bunch of music. Like we have a lot of unreleased material and uh, we were shopping around to labels and um, we caught some interest and then it started fading really, really fast. And I was like, oh my God, like, it, like our band's over because like we hadn't, we hadn't released anything in, in a long time and pe people just seemed to like, the interest was seeming to just like dwindle. Our live shows were still awesome and it was great but it was like we needed an extra push like we needed something to happen mm -hmm. and uh, i was like desperate like dm 
Fiddler and then Zach got back to me like a couple months later and he was like I want to produce you guys and so I was like we don't have any money but like I'll find money come to Mon- come to Montreal you can sleep in my apartment whatever whatever and he's like okay sick and then that plan didn't work out but then he was like do you guys want to come on tour and we were like, yes. And he's like, do you have a van? I was like, no. He's like, do you have visas? I was like, no. He's like, how are you going to make this happen? I was like, <laughs> figure it out. It's just, I'm just <laughs> going to figure it out. And so I worked that whole summer, just like so hard, bought a van, got visas, like, and then we went on the road. Yeah. And that was it. Wow. Yeah. Oh my Another gosh. first big tour. Yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. And you did the States with Fiddler? Yeah. Yeah, we did wow. the East, we did like Minneapolis all the way down to uh, New Orleans. That is huge. And I'm sure that yeah. got a lot of eyes on the band. Yes, but not enough. Not enough. Not enough. So, okay. when, did, no. when do enough eyes come? <laughs> I don't, I don't it was uh it was like after that that uh it was like January, February. Something was happening. So we got back from the tour and then it's just like something happens when you're on tour you get really high like you feel this like crazy euphoria every single night and then when you stop it stops and it's a horrible feeling and as a person who's like you know kind of like when in you know has had some issues with some (laughs) like substances before it's Mm -hmm. like one of those things where you like stop and then your whole world comes crashing down and that's what it felt like Uh, and then we didn't really have any prospects after that um, for a little while. And then we started talking to Dynalone again. And then they were like, you know, we really want to work with you, but like your so- your songs and stuff need a bit more work and like, whatever, whatever. And, and I thought, yeah, like I, I was open to anything at that time. Like I, I understand some people are like, no one can touch my music. This is who I am whatever whatever and that's right. so not me like i'm always open to criticism well some crit- people who i respect i'm open to their criticism mm-hmm. right and i'm always looking to to get better and to improve and a lot of that means like having really difficult conversations sometimes or opening yourself up to experiences that like i'm not like a diy i am diy but i'm also like let's do it together you know mm-hmm. kind of person and so right. they were like, maybe you should, you know, get in touch with some people in LA just to do like a songwriting workshop and work with this producer in Toronto who's who's really great, who did our first uh, EP. And so from there, we started kind of like galvanizing what was going to become the first EP and, and really, you know, getting um, extra help and support to make that whole thing happen. And it was like opening a big door. Well, like an, an emotional door, you know, cause mm-hmm. it was like all of a sudden we unlocked things that were inside of us that other people kind of just like brought out of us. And, and then after that we got signed, which was amazing. And then we went on another tour and then we went, yeah. And so from there it just kind of was what, like, what year did you guys sign with Dynalon? 2009. Oh, I think we signed. Yeah. 2019. Oh, okay. So you had all this yeah. momentum going and then what the rug is pulled out from under you with COVID sounds like. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> but I mean, obviously it didn't stop you. You have new music out. You're doing huge tours. I mean, Billy yeah. Talon coming up and the Rise Against tour, like it's huge stuff. But um, 
So how, like, I mean, you're getting this momentum going and then COVID happens and did you have the record going at this point or was it like, where were you at as far as where, where were you guys when, when that came? Oh my God. We were just finishing a tour. It was so funny. It was cause I, I'm a bartender and I work like four or five nights a week. And it's, it's really like a thankless job in a lot of ways, but so we were like on tour with the distillers and Alexis on fire January. Yeah. January, 2020. It was like mid January. We are in Vancouver. It's our first arena tour. Finished the last song, last chord. Bye everyone. We'll see you later. And we walk off stage and I'm like, Oh, maybe I won't have to like bartend forever. Or at least like I can cut down my shifts because we were getting so busy and uh, I was like, things are going to be all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> pandemic central. And I was like, fuck, man. Uh, but I mean, it was all right. We're, we're, we're very fortunate to live in Canada and have the resources that we had during that time. Yeah. So. Wow. Okay. So you, did you finish that tour then? You finished the tour with Alexis on Fire and Distillers? Yeah. And, and then, then shortly after, shortly yeah, after went, was so a couple months. Yeah. After that, you guys got done with the tours when everything shut yeah. down. Yeah. We had a lot okay. of big plans too. And then it all seemed to dissolve. Wow. When did you guys start putting together the record or sick hustle? Was that already uh, in the works? Yeah. It was just like, it was recorded uh, in 2019. So it was like the, the spring beginning of summer of 2019. And then, January 2020 was the was the tour there. And did you put the when did you put the record out? January? March. Oh. March 2020. Yeah. Oh, okay. So <laughs> after COVID, know. yeah, you didn't know. Our single was called "Don't Die," and we didn't know if it was like two up the middle. <laughs> no, it was like it was like the timing couldn't have been fucking. It couldn't have been worse, you know, for a single like that. So. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Then we decided just to do it. We're like, fuck it. It's fine. Fuck it. Let's do it live. You know, we had that. Sure. <laughs> okay. Okay. And what do you guys work on during the, so now you're stuck at home. What do you, how do you continue to uh, keep, we, and keep relevant or whatever? Uh, that's really hard. I mean, we recorded another EP in this, like in, in last, last summer. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like, it's, it's so, I know that a lot of people took the time to like write and really take advantage of it. I, however, was not one of those people. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I found it actually really hard. I found, I found that, you know, I couldn't write anything unless things were happening. Like I, I need to have like a life experiences. So, yeah. Like things yeah. just can't happen in a vacuum. And I mean, I could write songs about my cat all day, but I, I don't think that is very fun to listen to. <laughs> um, but yeah, I found that, you know, starting to go back to work, especially like being in a, in a bar, you, you rub up against so many different kinds of people and I'm a very reactionary person. And so, you know, if someone's like rude or whatever you have like an emotion you're like oh i like that emotion i'm just gonna like ride with it or right write a song about it so probably a lot of material in the bar absolutely 100 percent, 100 percent. so do you have a new because you just released a song called better each day and is that going to be on this ep that you've completed or uh yeah yeah okay yeah so this is just the first is this the second song from it was lala is that a part of it also 
Uh, that was just a single before the first EP, but this is this is a single. Better you stay as a single for the the next EP. The second yeah. one, okay, cool, yeah. very cool. So, and you have some huge stuff coming up too. So obviously, it didn't yeah. stop <laughs> you guys completely. I mean, you have Billy Talent Rise Against tour and Pups on a tour with you guys and Billy Talent. Talk to me about yeah. that. Well, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> we met like it's so funny. So Pup. W- in my in my first band, Puff actually opened for us. <laughs> really? Yeah, and that's when they were known as Topanga, and uh, so that's how I knew those guys. And wow. um, yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy. They did that viral like, video early on, right? Uh, with Zoom, where people were like showing. Do you, did you see this? So like, I don't think I saw that. Okay, in the beginning, where everyone was putting out like the t- together at home type videos where they're playing, oh, and yeah. it was like totally edited, and people thought it was like live being like you know we're all in. If you and I were playing together, it would be like perfectly in sync and go out to the world. And they're like, this is why no one does these live. <laughs> and they all played a song together, and they put it out on Facebook, and it was just like this swirling noise sound. It was really funny, and then it ended up picking up like quite a bit of traction. <laughs> it was just them making fun of the fact that like all these videos you're seeing right now are all like way produced. Yeah, and, I, I love that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I love those guys. They're so funny. But yeah, yeah, they're they're kind of like a perspective on the world. They're very like brutal, honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's and they're very hardworking and extremely nice people. So. Yeah. Yeah. They're cool. amazing. I mean, yeah, some big shows coming up with them, but uh, yeah, obviously rise against the yeah. talent there. And then with pup and Billy talent, what on the, the West coast. Yeah. That's awesome. And have you played a show yeah. yet? Or are these going to be your first ones? Um, we're going to go actually on tour in a few weeks with Tokyo Police Club. So those will be. Oh, yeah. I did see that too. They're a rad band as well. Yeah. And we did play a couple like festivals in the summertime just around Quebec, which was fun. But it was, you know, it's different. It's a different kind of rock concert, a very safe rock concert, but socially distanced rock concert. Yes. 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 I'm sure those are a bit different than being (laughs) in a a sweaty club. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's cool. Do you know when the record's coming out? Um, yes, it's March. I okay, think. March, right on. I think <laughs> so, <laughs> it's all good. No, or or maybe it's January. No, I can't remember. They're gonna kill me because they keep sending me timelines, and I keep. Repre- I think it's March. No, I think it might be January. Anyways, it's one of those. It'll moments. be on your it's- Instagram at some point. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's all good. That is awesome. And I thank you so much, Catherine, for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. No problem. Sorry, I'm, I just woke up, so I'm, I'm not good in the mornings. <laughs> no, this has been awesome. You've been great. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. So much. I'm also not used to doing interviews just because it's like, I'm just, well, I'm not not used to it, but I, I just feel like I just talk too much. And I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't ask any questions. Like, how are you doing? Are you okay? Why? You don't need to ask me any questions. No one cares <laughs> about me. <laughs> I just feel like I just talked about myself for so long. Well, that's what people okay. want to hear. They want to hear your story. They don't care about mine. Uh, but I don't I, even care about <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have one more question for you before I let you go. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Oh, my God. Um, do I have any advice? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that I have some advice. <laughs> what would the advice be? I don't know. It's not what it supposed. Like, I guess my advice would be like, no matter what happens in your life, especially in music, it's never going to perfectly line up with the vision that it is. And that's okay. Like this rise against Billy talent pub tour. Like the minute I found out that we got that tour, I was like working at the bar and I was telling the kitchen guy who was like at the bar sitting and drinking. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Like things are really turning around for us. Maybe it'll, maybe I won't have to like bartend like five nights a week. And then the bus girl just comes up to me and she's like, someone just puked in the bathroom. I'm like, fuck, you know, like, <laughs> I had to like just pull my gloves and like literally seconds after was like cleaning puke out of a out of a bathroom and I was like this is what it is like this is always what it's like it's like you have these like amazing triumphant moments and then life comes and just like grabs you and, and, and pulls you back down and that's what it is over and over and over again and it's at least for me and it's never going to be this like you know when in movies when they just fade to black you know it's like ah like you made it and it fades to black like it yeah that happens like 15 million times and you just have to keep going and going and going there's no there's no end to it you know you just have to keep trying harder and harder and keep working at it bringing it backwards 